1: And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala.
2: Whoa, it's a wild and crazy Thursday night, March the 9th, New York City, in the studio, Sambolino, Joni, special guest star, John Leventhal, used to be somebody, now he's a has-been, but that's okay, we still love him. Um, I, uh, I just want to read something real quick. The New York, uh, the mayor's public safety blast today. Keeping New York as safe is our number one priority. And we want to invite you into the conversation about how we are getting it done. Tomorrow, Friday, March the 10th at 12 noon, Deputy Mayor for Public Safety Phil Banks will hold another briefing to speak to New Yorkers and highlight a number of public safety issues. The briefing will be streamed live on the mayor's office's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. The deputy, uh, this week, Deputy Mayor Banks will be joined by FDNY. Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh, who will be a guest on the show very soon, Department of Corrections Commissioner Louis Molina, NYC Emergency Management Commissioner Zachary Iskol, and a representative from the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice. So you guys should tune in if you want to hear the true stats. If you don't want to just read the post, the daily news, and even the times and where they create numbers, if you want to hear the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, you now have an opportunity to do so. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to my friend, A.B., who's listening. He's a regular listener. I saw him today at the office. He was great. Hello, A.B. Happy Thursday night to you. And um, uh, I, well, he's not. well we're not at Shabbos yet. That would be tomorrow. Good Shabbos tomorrow. hope you had a good Purim a couple nights ago, Tuesday night. Um, Sambalina, are you good? I'm good, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm nice just- Nice to see you in studio. I am Jim Dandy. I just came from the U.S. Attorney's Office, worked on a little action over there here at One St. Andrew's Place, and as I was walking here- Judge Leventhal pointed this out to me. He goes, Would you look at this ridiculous sign? It says, What does it say? People with AIDS Plaza. Was that what it said? That's not what I said. You said, Why does it say people with AIDS no, Plaza? Why no, does it no, say people with said. cancer? All right. That's exactly where what Where is said. the plaza that says people with diabetes plaza? Can someone look that up for me? And where is the plaza that says people with Listen cancer plaza? Me. Listen to me. And where diabetes, is it that says people
3: with syphilis plaza? Di- diabetes and kidney disease go hand in hand, and people pay attention to it. AIDS is very important. Hey, well, off- hold on. You,
2: know, you tell me people don't pay attention to AIDS? Not as, not as much. George yet. W. Bush gave more money to Africa and to fight AIDS than, uh, than he gave to the starving children of the United States of America. Listen
3: to me. I started it. out I'm with Arthur Ashe. He made, you know, he he got a blood transfusion. He had AIDS. That showed that it wasn't everyone who was LBGD PQ. Don't or, don't no, mess so. up the letters. Uh, Levittall. Not everyone you was know, AIDS. I'm not very conservative. Very conservative. You don't Stop even it. know all the initials. Stop it. And 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 then you know, Rock Hudson got uh, Liz Taylor. He made died. A, yes, he made, gave a lot of attention to AIDS. And, and and then don't don't forget Magic Johnson has been a great advocate. And, Listen, and spokesman I, I for AIDS and AIDS is a very important thing and I, we should pay attention to it. Just like cancer. Okay, but here's just the thing. like diabetes. Here's, here's, just like kidney here's difference.
2: Here's the my nephew Nicholas got diabetes at four years old, right? He just didn't feel what well, went to the doctor. He's got juvenile diabetes. It will it's gonna it has already wrecked his life. Wrecked his life. No, no it's fault. not either or it's not either That's, or. Okay, but where okay, but I just want to know, and maybe I'm wrong. If if somebody knows, let me know. Text me email. Lobby. Where lobby is the first di- street? Where is the diabetes plaza?
3: Lobby Jody, for find out. Is there a New York City diabetes plaza? Lobby for Lobby for a street for diabetes plaza or juvenile diabetes. I'm sure it'll happen. In fact,
2: you know the mayor.
3: What about get a street named after that? And then, and then,
2: Arthur, well, look, I don't know a why you named got after you. I have no idea, Judge though, why you got so upset to see that sign. But I, I didn't get upset, Arthur. <laughs> Stop distorting my record like they
3: distorted uh, Hector LaSalle's go. record by the uh, well, state there, senate.
2: There we go. Do not distort they, my record. By the way, since, since you're talking about the chief judge, uh, have you heard any? Uh, can you give us an update on?
3: Well, what's very interesting, they mentioned a whole bunch of people. Uh, who who they who they think would be acceptable, and one of them is is uh, the uh, presiding judge of the first department who 's already declared to go to a firm he 's a great guy what 's his name uh, Rolando costa and he 's a, a great guy and he's a i consider him a friend I hope he considers me a friend and he would be great too but it 's just a damn shame because Hector LaSalle would have been a great chief right, judge so just tell and he 's I- a great Guy. I, I agree with you, and a great judge and a great administrator. Tell us,
2: tell us, uh, wh- where are we heading after the show today?
3: We are going to see our partner, Judge Barry, Caymans. Is it Caymans or Commons? Uh, Goldberg, Iceberg. I, no, it's. I think it's Camins. Right, I mean, you only know
2: the guy forty years, but you can right. screw up his last name. All right, tomorrow. but anyway, he's. You doing, know what it is? You're still so upset about seeing that AIDS Plaza. Sorry. His
3: yearly update in search and seizure. And if you must know, Jeffrey Deskovic, who was convicted. Actual Innocence in Jail for 17 Years is lecturing at the Appellate Division Second Department tomorrow, and they're using my Law Review article wait, wait, on Actual not, Innocence. This is back and to my, you now? Yes. Okay. And it's, it's all about me. And the brevities on Actual Innocence, they're using my material at the lecture, and I'm going to watch it at 2 o'clock tomorrow.
2: Okay, I'm going to get back to that. Before I forget, tomorrow uh, we're going to have uh, the chief advisor to the mayor of the city of New York, Ingrid Lewis-Martin, on the show. We're going to do a little reflection again on Justice Scalia since Saturday to be his birthday. But speaking of Justice Scalia, didn't he have a decision on actual innocence and saying— Davis,
3: Inray Davis. And he said that if someone got a fair trial, even if they were actually innocent, their execution would be allowed. And I I loved Scalia— but I don't get that one. In I'm fact, in fact, the uh, intermediate court of Maryland cited the first paragraph of my article, saying that in the legal realm, now someone who's actually innocent can be convicted, and and in the moral. Uh, realm that shouldn't be possible
2: i agree with you today is what you say it is Joan. national get over it day get over it day. Yeah. so that was no diabetes plaza so, by the way so that there is no diabetes plaza and justice scalia when people would ask him decades later about bush v gore and how that decision yeah, came down you know what his answer was get over it get over it, get over it. it's it was 20 meatball years day what what is it meatball day <laughs> all right we are going to come back with the chief of the Transit Bureau of the NYPD talking. Mike Kemper, talking about real crime. We'll be right back. Hello, AB. How are you? We'll be right back. Once in a lifetime,
4: Same as do
5: diabetes high blood pressure anxiety meds everyone's on them if you're a 50 year old male maybe a bit porky and you may even have type 2 diabetes a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month call term provider speak with big lou at 800-333-1750 big lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750.
2: 800-333-1750. Let's talk about Connors and Sullivan. We all know that planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Correct, on my birthday, on your birthday, the soon as possible, that's the way to go. You may need a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will, an estate plan. The goal of Connors & Sullivan Attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. So visit them for a free, no obligation consultation. Call Connors & Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connersandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connor says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
2: Boys Don't Cry by The Cure. Sam Bellino, isn't The Cure coming to town? Apparently they are. They announced it this morning. And where are they playing?
0: Uh, They're playing at a place that apparently you can't get into. Three nights in Madison Square Garden.
2: Three nights. And The Cure, they're great. I saw them a long time ago. They haven't played, I think, in seven years. But uh, they put on a heck of a show Let's see what happens. When are they playing? Not until June, I think, right? Or July? Yeah,
0: three dates in June.
2: All right. Well, let's see if I could I could move the needle between now and then. Oh, and
0: okay. You got that you there. got that juice, you got
4: that pull. Well,
2: if I don't have that juice, maybe I could just call uh the chief of transit of the NYPD and he could like sneak me in some underground tunnel or something like that. Because that is our next guest. The NYPD chief of transit since this past December is Michael M. Kemper. Now before I get into uh uh, all of his accomplishments, I must say, I was with him earlier this week. And since we're on the radio, I can vouch for his, uh, his he has uh, male model good looks. I mean, he's tall, he's got a beautiful head of hair, he's got a very sweet face. So not only is he like a tough guy in an NYPD uh, uniform, but, uh, you know, he turns a lot of heads. <laughs> he, uh, he joined the New York City Police Department in 1991 when crime was crime. Uh, then he, beg- he began his career on patrol in the 6-2 Precinct, where he ate very well at some of the best restaurants in the city, especially the little Italian-American uh, area. And he served in the 70th Precinct, the 71st, the 122 in Staten Island, the 123 in Staten Island. Then he was Patrol Borough Brooklyn North, the Office of Deputy Commissioner of Strategic Inst- Initiatives. I mean, there's a whole list that I have going on here. He has clearly risen and keeps going higher and higher and higher. Um, he became a captain in 20, 2003, deputy inspector in 2007, inspector of 2013, deputy chief in March of 2016, assistant assistant chief in March of 2021 and in December of 2022. He is the man responsible for keeping our transit system safe, the transit system, which I wrote several, several times today. Please welcome to the show Chief of Transit for the New York City Police Department, Michael M. Kemper.
4: Hey, good afternoon, Arthur. Thank you for that intro. Keep going.
2: I Listen, I I can. There's like two more paragraphs here. (laughs) I mean, I just left off the fact that the most important fact is probably the proud father to Ashley, who's an attorney, and Matthew, who's a third-generation NYPD officer. And you've been married for 28 years. Good for you. So, Chief, you know. Glorious. Wait, wait, wait. 28 glorious Glorious. years. Never had a fight. Never had a fight. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, let's just cut to the Chiefs. First and foremost, Uh, I will tell you, everybody knows, every real New Yorker, quintessential New Yorker knows that our subway system, our bus system, our transit system, even the ferries are the lifeblood of this city. I was on four different trains today at different times. Uh, It is the best way to travel around the city of New York. And if, God forbid, we lost the subway due to crime, the whole city would fall apart. So you're the man who's in charge of keeping us safe underground, overground, and on the waters. Uh, Tell us, give us a State of the Union Chief Kemper of Transit.
4: First of all, you're right with that and and tremendous responsibility, huh? Uh, Good thing is I'm I'm surrounded by a great team and uh, just amazing, amazing human beings, all cops that uh, just do an incredible job. But look, uh, right now, where where are we state of affairs? We're making progress, real, real uh, significant progress, and we're proud of it. You know, crime in the subway system is trending uh, downward. Uh, when you look at the last four months when you look at this current year uh versus last year and prior year, prior years we're okay we we're, we're at historic lows right now uh in relation to crime as uh, that said look, we recognize there's still a lot of work to do um but we're we're really encouraged by the most recent crime stats and uh, we're looking to stay hyper focused on this mission and uh looks like uh, Looks like things are looking good in the subway system. So
2: tell me how you guys are using modern technology to figure out. I mean, look, there are millions of people who ride the subway every day. How do you guys figure out, you know, where do you look? Where do you, you know, where do you put your manpower? I mean, you can't have a police officer on every single platform in the city of New York. Although I do know now that you ride the trains on very several, on several stops the conductor announces, you know, there is NYPD presence on this platform if you have any questions or you need to report a crime. But how are you guys using modern technology to ferret out the criminals?
4: Yeah, so I'll, I'll, let me just touch on uh, the announcements and then I'll tell you how we uh, how we go about uh, deploying. Uh, but the announcements are uh, awesome and uh, they go a long way to deterrence, the crime deterrence. People hear us. Uh, they know we're on the train. We know we're on the platform. Uh, And people like it, you know, ridership uh, sentiment, uh, the feedback we get is that it's uh, very encouraged and uh, it costs zero dollars to get that done. Think about that. So we're getting a lot lot from it for really no cost. But just to get to what you're saying, it's all about deployment. Proper deployment is critical if we're going to be successful. So that's watching the crimes literally uh, as they're occurring uh, by the day. Uh, recognizing crime trends, hot spots, shifting deployment, uh, and making sure we're out there—not only out there, but in the right spots during the right hours—and uh, that's really the, the key to the success: is proper deployment based upon data uh, that we're collecting all day.
2: And the data that you're collecting, does it have to do with the concentration of ridership in different locations or does it have to do with uh, percentage of uh, crimes that have the highest percentage of crimes taking place? How do you figure out where to deploy these people?
4: Yeah, so you're asking the right questions, Arthur, because that's exactly how we deploy them. We factor in so much. You know, certainly crime we're looking at, we're looking at community complaints and we're looking at, you know, ridership. You know, ridership also, you got to look at this two times in the day that the ridership uh, really peaks. You know, the a.m. rush, you know, from 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning until about 10 o'clock. And then from about 3 in the afternoon to about 6 at night or 6 in the afternoon is really the two periods of the day that ridership really peaks. And that afternoon peak is also uh, compounded with school dismissals. There's just so much going on. So, you know, obviously crime, we're watching the crimes we're listening to the community complaints and certainly we're overlaying the ridership uh, volume also.
2: And, you know, how do you, you know, people talk about the morale of the NYPD and, and let's face it, you've been there decades now, decades. Um, how do you uh, number one report back on what the morale is for the typical NYPD officer out there? And, you know, how do you adjust it? In other words, You have such a huge department, right? You can't just have like a little picnic and invite 30,000 people. So, first, just give us a state of the union of like where the typical police officer's head is at, because I know you're a very hands on chief. And then, you know, what could we, what could you guys do better in the hierarchy? And what could we as citizens do better to, to make, uh, show the appreciation we have?
4: So, that's a great question. And, you know, morale is so important. And, you know, New York City cops, they're just, I think I open with they're incredible, incredible human beings. Um, they, they, they come to work each and every day <clears throat> with the mindset to do good. They're put in impossible, impossible situations. Sometimes think about this also. Um, they're put into super complex, non-scripted situations, and they're asked to make split-second decisions that are going to be, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking critique. Yet, yet, think about it. They still do it, and they do it exceptionally. I think. Support, support from within the department and support certainly from, you know, from the, from the community we serve is probably um, mm-hmm. the most valuable uh, component to, uh, to morale. Just feeling supported, and uh, and that's what we're doing. And, you know, I got to give it to the police commissioner, com- uh, Commissioner Stool. Morale is a top priority of hers, and she's uh, making changes in relation to improving morale. And uh, you know. It's something that we work on each and every day. So the budget.
2: So, Chief, the budget's coming out. Right. And Mm -hmm. I know I know uh, from a real pragmatic point of view, there would be nothing better to boost morale than giving the uh, the hardworking officers a little a little extra in their paycheck. Is there any possibility uh, of that happening, whether it be this year or a promise for next year?
4: So the rumors are that they're uh, close to coming to an agreement with a contract. That's outside my pay grade. That's, uh, you know, the city working with the unions. But, of course, listen, um, you know, I don't don't know if everyone realizes the the starting pay for a cop, uh, a New York City cop for the first five years of his or her career is $42,500. So, uh, you know, certainly a raise, in my opinion, is due, well earned, uh, and we'll see.
2: I mean, if you're making... Forty-two. And let me ask you a question. Educate me. What is the residency requirement for an NYPD officer?
4: So you, uh, in order to be a police officer, you have to live in New York City or the surrounding counties, such as Nassau, Suffolk, okay. Orange, Rockland County.
2: Okay, or, so you can't so like, live outside.
4: Think, yeah, you can't live outside the state. So, like, I live in Staten Island. I can't live in New Jersey. You have to live in New York. Okay. And, and, and specific surrounding counties. Okay,
2: um, because... Let's face it, if you're a young man or a young woman and you're the primary uh, earner in the family and you're making $42,000 and if you have another little mouth to feed... You know, I don't want to say it's impossible, but you're eating a lot of rice and beans. I mean, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, you, uh, you left out the 500. It's forty two five hundred. Oh, yeah, month. okay, right. And after they <laughs> take a little hunk of taxes out there, all kidding aside. And then I'm sure some of that goes into their retirement account. So it does not account for much. You know, you mentioned Staten Island, where, uh, you know, there's not the type of uh, subway system that there is in the other four boroughs. How is the transit situation in Staten Island regarding crime?
4: Listen, Staten Island, you know, it's low. We, we, the MTA police are responsible for policing the Staten Island rapid transit system. So the NYPD, the New York City Transit uh, Bureau, uh, we police and we're responsible for the safety of uh, the other four boroughs. So we got Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx and Manhattan. Okay. And keep going. No, I listen, I want to talk crime stats. I, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it, I was going
2: to say roll I uh, that, that so I wanted to end on that, you know, with with the substance of stuff. So tell me, you know, what's going on in the subway? You I mean, you said you're the chief of the department. This is uh Mike Kemper. He's he is the boss of the transit department. Uh well, it's not a department it used to be. When I was in the DA's office, it was a whole separate thing. But uh you're you're the the boss of the chief of transit bureau. Um is it bureau or unit? Which one is it, sir? It's a bureau. Okay. Bureau. Um so, tell us why you know give me some numbers why do we why should we feel comfortable that crime is actually declining in the subways
4: All right. L- Let me say this. we started two thousand and twenty two as probably everyone remembers you know not in a good way you know the first ten months of two thousand and twenty two we were up forty two percent just about forty two percent in overall crime in the subways you know think about that that 's January through uh, you know toward the uh, mid to end of october of twenty two totally totally unacceptable and You know, at that point, tremendous investments were made uh, in relation to subway safety. And we've infused so many, so many more cops into the subway system. We're we're infusing upwards of 1,200 additional cops a day uh, into the subway system to ensure safety. And, you know, the the increase, that 42 percent increase immediately went down. So let me give you some stats uh, and, and tell you why we're uh, very encouraged, and why I tell you we're making really, really uh, good progress. So from the end of October, while we were up 42%, so if you see, you know you take that period of 1025 October 25th up until right now, uh, we're down 13%. We went from a 42% increase to a negative 13% in overall index crime. You know, with with real big reductions in robberies, 25% reductions in robberies. But if you want to look at the current year, the first nine weeks of 2023 we're down 21 and percent in overall index crime in the subway system versus last year and then you know some people say well you're comparing it to last year you know what about the years prior what about the you know 2019 right before covid you know we're we're beating those numbers let me say this well here's, that's important here's a, well here, here's a fact so we're down 21.5% overall in overall index crime this year in the subway system. This is the second best two-month start of the year in recorded history, also The second best and second only to 2021, which was the height of the COVID epidemic. So what am I saying? I'm saying, yes, we're b- below 2019, 2015, 2014, going all the way into the 1990s. So here's what so- I want to
2: ask you, Chief, because, you know... I, the biggest criticism that I get about this show, and, and I'm being sincere, is that I'm too much of a cheerleader for Eric Adams, for the NYPD and FDNY, and everything else. No, so you're never critical of them. So obviously, there's there's crime going on out there, and there always will be. But what I tell people is, you know, the crime is probably and correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably not happening at eight o'clock in the morning on the four train at Grand Central. This crime is probably happening at four a.m. in the morning on, you know, some other line, you know, outside of the the heart of New York City. Am I correct or or incorrect?
4: Well, you you are correct to a degree. um, But we do take spikes and trends uh, at unusual places at times. But you know, if if you're looking like right now, like in, and in recent And I'm history. chief.
2: I hate to interrupt you. I'm talking about violent crime. I'm not talking about someone gets a pickpocket or you know someone uh, someone gets pushed and you know it's maybe a misdemeanor assault three. I'm talking about people who are you know really getting robbed with a gun, with a knife, or some sort of violent assault. I, you know, I mean, I don't I, I don't think that's happening in, in the middle of the day in, as I said, in Grand Central or or Brooklyn Bridge or any of those. You know, stations where there's just so much uh, so many commuters that are real hardworking New Yorkers heading to or heading from work.
4: Yeah, no, and and I agree with you. And and, and that's a good thing. So and and you are correct. So, you know, usually if we're going to you know what we're seeing, if we're going to take a gunpoint robbery in the subway system, which is rare, you know, and I got to be honest with you, it's rare. It does happen. Uh, it's, it's not a, a, an everyday occurrence, that's for certain. But usually violent crimes uh, historically occur late at night into early morning. So you've got to really look at the hours of, you know, 6, 7 o'clock p.m. to about 3, 4 in the morning. That's usually where crime, uh, you know, peaks or, or, or spikes.
2: Now, I got to uh, you know, my producer here, Joan, wants to know, and she it's, it's a fair question, because she rides the, the subway on a regular basis what's the status with the homeless and how do you deal with, you know, when you get on the, the subway and, you know, there's a guy is sleeping across the whole, uh, the, the whole train there, the whole idea you know a whole bench.
4: Yeah. So let me, let me say this also. And, and, you know, I'm just rattling off these encouraging and promising crime stats. Right. And that's great. And we're proud, but what does that really mean to the rider that's afraid? Right. You know, perception, fear is real. Right. And, and usually that's, coming from what they see and what they hear. That's what they see when they take the subway, uh, when they take a subway ride, and that's what they hear on the news. You know, it, it's amazing. We, we could do three crimes today or, 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 or tomorrow, and two or three, or all three of them are gonna be uh, main stories in the press. And, you know, that really leads to perception that that crime's out of control, if you, you know, if so much of our crime is reported, and which is fine. You Know which is fine, but again, that leads to a perception. And to John, to, to your point, uh, the homeless issue, uh, and mental health issue is, is real, uh, and, and it's something that we are plugged into, and it's something that we're uh, working hard at. We, we, we have been working hard at, and this is all about compassion and humanity. Listen, no one should have to be reduced to living in a subway system, right? And, and, and think about this the core mission of a cop really is to help people. So we're out there every day. We have uh, teams dedicated to this mission. Um, we have a civil safety task force. We have an end-in-a-line unit. And we partner up with other city agencies, uh, DHS, uh, trained clinicians. And we encounter homeless people. And what we try and do is offer them help, offer them assistance. And uh, it's up to them so we can't force them to to, uh, to, to go to shelter. Uh, but we can offer them the services and but we've been having success with
2: that. Well, I got to tell you, I really, Mike, I really appreciate it. We're talking to you, Chief of Transit for the New York City Police Department, Michael Kemper. I mean, he's, uh, he's a super nice guy. He's super good looking guy. He's very charismatic. Um, but he has really gone from, I mean, in 1991, I would love to ask you the difference between 1991, you know, and, and today. When people ask me all the time, uh, you know, I represent Rudy Giuliani and I'm a, I'm a Rudy fan from his mayoralty. People say, oh, we wish we could get back to the days when it was safe under Rudy. If you look at the NYPD statistics, we are so much safe, safer statistically now than in than any time during the Giuliani administration. People don't believe let me, me, let me th- but I tell them to go, I go, go check, go, go look it up.
4: Listen, the data don't lie. And what you're saying is absolutely 100% unequivocally correct. Uh, and, and listen, we been making progress you know, in, in the late 80s, early 90s was when crime was peaking. Tremendous progress was made. Think about that. 95,
2: 96, 97, right? That's, you know. All, all the years I was in the DA's fun. office, I was trying all of those cases, putting the bad guys oh, yeah. in there, Kemper. It's historically,
4: <laughs> but where we are right now uh, versus like 95, you know, in the subway system, you know, we're probably and I'm going to I'm going to take
2: a guess. I'm not going to be far off. We're probably 60% less now versus what we were then. Absolutely. And you're not far off at all. I got to run. I got to actually, like, you know, do these commercial things to pay for this show. But listen, all kidding yeah. aside, Chief, Chief Kemper, we really appreciate you ta- taking the time. You have really one of the most important jobs in the city of New York, of all jobs, not just in the NYPD. Because, as I said, the, the subways and the buses are the lifeblood of this city. And you keeping us safe means the world to all of us. When you have some news to deliver, you have something you want to tell, you want to broadcast it out there, uh, you know, you just call us and you'll be on the air in five minutes. Okay.
4: Uh, Arthur, thank you so much. Let me end it with this. I want to give a shout out to the New York City cops, the greatest cops in the world. They're doing phenomenal work. They should keep their heads up. They're the best in the business to you. Arthur, Thank you very, very much for letting me get this message out. To Joan, be well. To both of you, be well.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Chief of the Transit Bureau, Michael Kemper. We'll be right back after these messages.
4: This is Mike Gallagher joining me on an amazing journey through Israel this October. Dennis Brager and I are going back to the Holy Land for the Stand With Israel Tour, along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Imagine a personal impact from exploring Jerusalem, Galilee, the Dead Sea region, and so much more. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call
2: 855-565-5519. StandWithIsraelTour.com. So let me ask you, would you like a career in the legal field making great money without having to go to law school and incurring all that debt? One that allows you the flexibility to choose where you work, for whom, and how frequently? Well, there's this high-powered and lucrative career that you really need to know about. It's called court reporting. Court reporters and captioners are in higher demand than ever before. Court systems, schools, and television stations are all looking for these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions to court cases to live events. The NCRA has partnered up with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. Sign up today by emailing Info at plazacollege.edu. That's info, I-N-F-O, at plazacollege.edu. Listen to us online at
0: am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
7: Fighting for you.
2: Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny ball smooth head. Hemp leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young. Hemp leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care. The whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft, smooth, hydrated, giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy. Their liquid black soap glides on, leaving my My skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne, and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at hempleaf.com. That's hemp, H E M P L I E F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Welcome
1: back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with lifetime New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala making the case for the city he loves. Here's Arthur.
2: Well, you know Mick, everywhere I go underground, I see, I see something that I don't remember seeing so many of. When I was a kid, and, and over the years, and I was not going to ask uh, the chief of the NYPD Transit Bureau about this because I actually did ask him about it earlier in the week when I saw him. He said, "Look, that's not what I do." But Joan Pelzer, the producer, but not a co-host, unlike Sam Bellino, who is a co-host. Can I no, you're, you co-host <laughs> no, you're no, you're not. A, you're, you're, look at that, a mic, a, That's a, wow. a scene from. That's from God. God wow. will not let Joni talk. He won't <laughs> he let the microphone go on. And we're we're here in the studio, and Joan's microphone will not go on. It is an act of God. I'm
5: moving over to Matt's mic now.
2: Well, actually, Joan, I was going to thank you, because one of the things that I do see on the subway, like all the time, all the time, it was a big deal when I was a kid and whatever you'd see once in a while, now I see them all the time, are rats, R-A-T-S. Now, truth be told, they're not really bothering anyone. They're on the tracks. They're crawling around. They're pretty, they're far away, right? They're whatever, four feet below us, wherever the bottom of the tracks are from the platform. They're not like running on the platform. Not but always. for whatever it's, you know, and then in the streets, forget about it. They're all, all by those kiosks. Uh, I'm on Mulberry Street. The, the other day when I was at Joe G's on that street, 56th Street, I could see them running on the street. You never used to see rats. It was a big deal when you saw rats. So what's going on? So Joni found someone who could explain something to us about rats. Dr. Joel Grassi, who's going to join us, he's an ordained minister who pastors a church in the Bronx and is also a New York City exterminator with BHB pest elimination in Manhattan. He tells people that he prays for God's creatures on Sunday and then slays them on Monday. He has battled every pest imaginable, throughout the five boroughs, and has a deep respect for these creatures. Without further ado, someone who knows a thing or two about the rats, Dr. Joel Grassi. Welcome to the Idola Power Hour, Dr. Grassi. Arthur, thanks for
8: having me. I appreciate it, and I'm glad. Uh, it sounds like you've got rats on the brain, huh? Well, uh,
2: well you know, I've, I've ridden the subway. I live in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I, come, I use the R train. Uh, I've been taking the train literally since I'm a little boy. And, uh, you know, it used to be like a big deal. Like, I, you know, you get excited in a good way when you saw a rat running around the tracks. I will tell you, Dr. Rossi, I see a rat on almost every platform I go on. And, and I take the R to 36. There's a couple of rats there that I take it to 36, either to 42nd Street in Manhattan or, or Rockefeller Center. Uh, Brooklyn Bridge on the Ford train. Brooklyn Bridge to Grand Central. There's there's some rats running around on the subway, uh, you know, on those. Again, they're almost always on the tracks. But tell me what's going on? What's going on, Doc?
8: It, it's not in your head. It's real. Um, in fact, I think it was last year that we broke the record for most three one one calls about vermin, about rat sightings specifically since three one one has been a thing. So, you're absolutely right. The numbers are at an all time high. It's a reality. Do we know why, Doctor um,
2: Grassi, that the numbers are at an all time high?
8: Well, you know, there's a number of theories, and I think a good one is the big event that we all just went through uh, on the earth, which is this pandemic. It changed a lot of human behavior, especially in New York City, and the rats uh, pivoted, and so uh, things look different for us, and as they look different for us, they look different for them. I can uh, get into specifics if you like. Yeah, no, I I actually,
2: I would. I mean, what happened? Did we just... Did we stop? Uh, did the city stop putting down, you know, baits and traps and things like that? Did the rats get a little extra romance going on, and there was more love making by the rats? Like, why do we have all these rats?
8: Yeah, they're doing, they're doing uh, Netflix or Ratflix. Yeah, there you thing, go. I, guess, I got you. They're making babies at home. Um, no, I, I mean, a big part of it is this creature is what we call commensal. If you study rats at all, you hear that word all the time. And, that, and what that means, that's from a word that means they eat at the same table that we eat at. So they like to eat what people eat they like they actually don't want to go off and live in the middle of nowhere they want to live near human beings and because everything changed with the restaurants temporarily shutting and then the restaurants say hey i have an idea let's build an outdoor dining station right on top of the sewer grate and let's have our bacon and our olive oil and our buttered bread be served out there all night long during the dark hours And let's just see what happens when we start eating in their neighborhoods. And sure enough, they learn to pivot, to change their behavior. And I couldn't give you exact numbers. Obviously, that's been a point of debate for years. But it wouldn't surprise me if we've hit some really high numbers and largely we have something to do with that.
2: So let me ask you, you know— Kind of like snakes, you know, like people have a, like a natural fear of, of snakes. And a little garter snake or a corn snake, I mean, they, 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 they can't hurt you. I mean, a, a corn snake cannot hurt you. I mean, if it bit you as hard as it can, it would be like getting your hand caught in a, in a you know, serious like paper clip, butterfly clip. So, I, I mean, but okay, I know you're going to tell me, well, they could breed disease. But short of that, like, do we need to fear rats
8: We don't. Uh, Personally, that's my opinion, since you're asking me. I mean, you know, you can look it up yourself. Uh, A a lion bite is 600 pounds per square inch, and a rat bite is 6,000 pounds per square inch. So you don't want to get bitten by either one of them. But in in all reality, like you kind of alluded to, the rats are just New Yorkers, and they're just trying to get by and do what they want to do to survive. They want to find something to eat. They want to find something to drink. They want to go chill with their buddy and have a cuddly night. And if you happen to see one and when it's doing its thing and you freak out, they're, they're as freaked out by you maybe. They're just trying to do their thing, and there's really no reason to be afraid of them. Although, obviously, as you mentioned, the diseases, um, you know, that's a very legitimate concern with them being disease vectors.
2: Now, uh, my father, when back in the day, he, he had a pet rat. I mean, it was he walked around with a pet rat. And right now, I'm on the Hearts website, and when they talk about a chi- choosing your child's first pet, they talk about dogs, cats, guinea pigs, hamsters, gerbils, and rats. Quote: Rats are examples of small pets that kids can enjoy as a first pet, as long as they don't make your child squeal. Despite their reputation, rats are calm, gentle clean and friendly. They are easier to handle than mice because they are larger, but they also use urination as a territorial marker and may bite when threatened. For this reason, rats make better first pets for slightly older children. Rats work in pe- work well in pairs, so take that into consideration when buying your child's first pet. So, you know, if if cats were running around the uh, the tracks, we wouldn't be so freaked out. But here you have a, a renowned website you know, a provider of, of, of pet products, Hearts, suggesting that rats would make a good pet. So, you know, I don't know. Do we need to chill out a little bit about all of our fear of rats?
8: I think we I think we can. I mean, you know, I mean, it's an interesting idea you bring up, Arthur, whether or not is is domestication. Part of the solution that we all basically say, look, instead of just trying to eradicate them, um, you know, could we somehow learn to domesticate these creatures the way that felines and canines and everything else through the centuries and millennia have been domesticated? I I doubt we'll ever really see that. But you're absolutely right. They make wonderful pets. They're intelligent. They're, they're, They're very smart. They're an emotional creature. I mean, I think part of the innate fear that we have of them is they are so much like us and we see ourselves in them and we wonder, really, who's the pest here in this city? Is it us or them?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I have a a six-year-old son and we are talking about getting him a pet. Uh, I don't think Dr. Joel Grassi, who is an exterminator with BHP pest elimination, here in New York City, I don't think it would go over too well if I walked in the house, even if it was a beautiful little white rat. Um, but did, do you know about this whole situation regarding um, Curtis Sliwa and the mayor and being a rat czar and all of that stuff?
8: Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, not only did I follow the uh, the news uh, about all that, but uh, Curtis uh, actually had reached out to me, and I had a uh, sit-down meeting with him and talked rats, and and whatnot. He's yeah. He's very interested in the topic, and yeah, I know him and the mayor had some
2: Yeah, it was a little shocking back. Well, so let, let let me before I let you go. What does the future yeah. look like? I mean, you're an exterminator. How do you exterminate rats? Like, what are we doing? What's the plan? Well, you know,
8: there's there's tried and true methods that that pest control operators have been doing. Such from as the
2: of time. All right, give me Such some of those. They,
8: trapping you've got trapping you've got baiting Um, we've actually got treatments where we can go in the burrows and kind of just you know uh, put them to sleep so to speak and then they're even talking about you know things like birth control Uh, that's been in the topic for a while Um, but you know if we really want to expect there to be some different results uh, I think we're going to have to have some deeper conversations because at the end of the day you can build a better rodent trap, but you're still just catching the ones you catch. And the reality is, you know as well as I do, they're going to be here as long as we are.
2: They're, they're going to be keep on breeding. Uh, one more thing. Besides rats, what's the, the big pest in the city? Is it roaches? Is it mice? Squirrels? What are we worried about?
8: You might be surprised at this answer. You might not guess it. If I gave you some guesses.
2: Raccoons?
8: Sit, uh, we, we, do we see those, too. There's been a huge increase in moths eating people's sweaters. Eating oh, people's- Sambolino, mm-hmm. man. He's got
2: all these holes in his shirt. That's where it comes from. Oh, that's what it is. Moths. Either that
8: or he's dodging bullets, one of the two. But, yeah, it's basically the people left the city for a while. Their-, their closets stayed here full of sweaters and wool suits, and the moth population went through the roof.
2: Interesting. Give me one more thing besides moths. What Give me another pest, a little more exciting than moths.
8: Possums. Uh, No, they're not. Well, I mean, yeah, exciting possums. I mean, what you mean big and exciting? I mean, yeah, I mean, we see. Look, I mean, the earth is changing there's invasive species i mean you got the spotted lanternfly those oh yeah flies yep. did you see those last yep. year yep 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 that'll be interesting to see what happens this year now that they've had a winter to kind of uh breed and come out hatching this spring it'll be interesting to see how it affects the city's trees
2: well dr joel Grazzi, i want to th- i want to thank you so much i hope we can count on you here on the idola power hour as a resource regarding pests uh, I mean, some people call my producer, uh, Joni, a pest, but I don't. I mean, I think, I think oh, she's fantastic. Oh, but, I mean, I don't know if you have any way to bait or trap her, but we're only joking. But thank you so much, because obviously obviously, for all us New Yorkers, these, these are uh, really, really important issues. So thank you so much, Dr. Grassi. We will see you again on the Author Dollar Power Hour. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You've
1: been
6: If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consumers What are you doing this fall? Would you like to go to
2: Italy with Joe Piscopo? Well, let me tell you about this amazing tour. Rome, Catania, Taromina, Savoca, Forza de Agro, Mount Etna, and Palermo. That's the best of Rome and Sicily for nine nights. What a trip. Enjoy wonderful food and taste classic Italian wine at Mount Etna and see some actual sights used in the iconic Godfather movie. It's a trip you'll remember for years to come. You'll also be treated to an intimate dinner performance by Joe Joe Piscopo in Rome. It is so much fun. Have your cameras ready. Call Perillo Tours at 1-800-431-1515. 1-800-431-1515. Remember, a Perillo Tour is a stress-free, escorted vacation where you don't lift a finger. That's 800-431-1515 to secure your reservation on this very limited tour before it sells out. The tour dates are October 18th to 28th. October 18th to 28th. one 800 431 1515 or go online to perillotours.com
0: Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970
2: The Answer Oh yeah Little U2 action Thursday night Party in the New York City Cammons is going to be lectured. It's going to be this riveting search and seizure. You're going to find out everything that you need to know about the Fourth Amendment. Then we're going to the Custom House on Montague Street. We're hosting a little uh, get-together. And then I'm going back into Midtown to explore some venues for a possible Rapid Pulse gig in June. Um, A little bit of sports news. The uh, Brooklyn Nets, who are now like the total underdogs of the league since they lost their two big stars, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, Uh, they re-signed their general manager to run the latest rebuilding process. They're probably going to get absolutely killed tonight against the number one team in all of the NBA, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, because they're sitting a bunch of their starters as well. Um, And uh, I want to thank our two guests. I thought they were very, very informative. And I love informing you while being entertaining. The uh, New York City, the the NYPD Chief of Transit, Mike Kemper, and uh, Dr. Grassi talking to us about rats and pests. And sometimes while we're entertaining you, we we you know we try to keep things a little light. So, um, it it, you know uh, Judge Leventhal really wasn't that upset about the AIDS Plaza sign, and obviously we are all happy because you don't really hear about people dying of AIDS anymore. Um, Thank God. And we did a great job as Americans and and as human beings fixing that problem. We do need to fix the problem with cancer. We do need to address the problem with the the disease of diabetes. Um, And and I hope, you know, we can we don't lose track of that. Um, Let's see. Tomorrow is Ingrid. Uh, Ingrid is the the right hand to the mayor of the city of new york for many years her husband and and mayor adams were in the uh police academy together so she really has her fingers on the pulse uh what else do i gotta do i don't know i mean life is great uh, i'm very happy uh i will tell you i believe in numerology i am 55 years old it's an odd number it's 2023 that's an odd number and this year so far has been fantastic Primarily because I get to spend the day with John Leventhal when he decides to come in the office because he does this thing. He takes off Fridays. He walks around with no shoes. He's in the U.S. Attorney's office. He's like, "You mind if I take off my shoes?" Then he's taking off his jacket. He's doing a tease act in front of these young assistants. But he's fantastic, Joni. Are you great? We're great, Roz. Is Not great. we. Are you? Oh, he's your mom. Your mom's She's good. Awesome. All right, we will see you tomorrow. Have a great one.